many of us have ridden roller coasters. And if so, then you know that as the train of cars leaves the entry station, it immediately begins to crawl up that first very large hill. And the farther up the cars go, the slower they go, until finally you can hear the clacking of the track chains. Click, 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 click. Now this creates huge anticipation, but as soon as that lead car dips down the other side of that first rise, the ride is off in seconds at high speed and then it's non-stop thrills from there. Well, in the Bible, and in the Christian year, a day called Holy Saturday is like that. It's a day of great anticipation as we wait for the thrill of Easter. Today on Groundwork, let's dig into Scripture to think about Holy Saturday and Easter. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And Daryl, this is now the third and final episode in a short three-part series on Holy Week. And so we've already looked at Palm Sunday. We thought a little bit about what happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but then we spent more time in the second episode on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. So now we're at the end of Holy Week. We want to jump to Easter Sunday yeah. where the where the celebration happens, where we're ready to party and praise the Lord. But a lot of us need to think a little bit more carefully about Holy Saturday because that is the time when we're looking forward to what happens as the aftermath of the death and burial of Jesus. The church has assigned a handful of passages for reflection on Holy Saturday. One of them is from Job 14. Starting in verse 7, it says, At least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. But if a man dies and is laid low, he breathes his last and is no more. As the water of a lake dries up or a riverbed becomes parched and dry, so he lies down and does not rise till the heavens are no more. People will not awake or be roused from their sleep. If someone dies, will they live again? Good question, Job. So here are words that the church has us reflect on that reflects on the grim fact, Daryl, that death comes to everybody and it is so final. In fact, Anybody who has ever lost a loved one knows that that finality of death, that inability to reach your loved one again, that's crazy making. That's almost suffocating when you're in a time of grief. There's nothing we can do to bring this person back. They're dead. And all throughout history, people have known that. They've known what we just read from Job. A tree stump could sprout again, but not a human stump. When we're dead, we're dead. And that, as they say, is that. And so scripture says that it is appointed to people to die once and then the judgment. And so the death of people is permanent. It is, if you don't believe in Jesus, it's period, it's the end, it's, that's it. And that is something that can be extremely painful and traumatic for folks. And that's why grieving is so hard because you know, you're not going to see him again. And Jesus was dead. He was the one who died. And specifically, it talks about his death in John 19, where it says later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus bought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. 
At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Everybody in Jesus' day knew what dead looked like and Jesus was dead. And, you know, you can't let the dead linger, right? I mean, the body doesn't keep. So you got to do something. Embalming techniques have changed over the centuries. Today, funeral homes replace all the blood in the body with a kind of a somewhat preserving fluid, formaldehyde. In Jesus' day, they, they wrapped it up like a mummy. Uh, and the, and those, those that aloe and myrrh that Nicodemus brought along, that would make the strips of linen stick like glue, but who cares? Nobody's ever going to take it off again. Also interesting, but I remember when I was a kid, I was struck by the line that it was a new tomb. Nobody had ever been laid there before. It's like, but that's because we think of how we bury people today. Of course, nobody, you know, you only bury somebody in the same spot once. But back then, they would let a body decompose until the wrapping just contained bones. And then they'd go take it out and they would put the bones in a box called an ossuary. So you could use a, a, a tomb more than once for more than one body once the decomposition process went on. But point being, again, Daryl, he was dead dead as any human being had ever been. And that's why John goes into all the details to explain what happened at his death and what happened with his body, because there have been a lot of false teachings that came after this that said, oh, no, no, he was just faking it or he didn't fully in his mm. humanity experience everything that they do in death. But they're showing right here that all the details, he's slowing it down so that we can see, oh, no, this is Jesus in his humanity. This is what he's dead, dead. He is not coming back. It is clear that he is dead from the human perspective. That's where all their hope went. And they know that he's gone. And so the question, again, on Holy Saturday, the question that Job 14 passage uh, focused for us was, well, is that it? If somebody dies, can he rise again? Well, the, the answer is, is generally speaking, uh, no. There didn't seem to be much hope here. So Darryl, Holy Saturday um, is a day in which we ponder these grim things. Of course, problem is we often don't because we know what's coming on Sunday, right? But it's a good thing for us to do to reflect a little bit more again, A, on the complete sacrifice that Jesus made, B, on the complete wonderful and unexpected nature of what God the Father will do. I think it's beautiful that we have Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, because if we had Good Friday and then Easter Sunday with no Holy Saturday, there's no time to ponder these things. It's kind of like God put in a 24-hour period so that you can say la, so that you mm. can reflect on it, so that you can think about it, because it changed everything, and it has a variety of emotions that come with it. And and so Holy Saturday is the day that you reflect on it. Okay, Jesus died on, on Good Friday, and now we have all day today. And, to, and, and anticipating the Easter Sunday and not rushing the fact that he's celebrating, that we're going to celebrate, but really thinking about, can this guy live again? Can this Jesus yeah. live again? And, you know, it's hard for us to put ourselves in the mindset of the disciples back then who had no hope on Holy Saturday. It was done. They were just completely disoriented. Hard for us to do that. Hard for us to suspend our, our belief in Easter long enough to try to empathize with them. But it is an important question. If someone dies, can they live again? Job asks in Job 14, 14. Well, can they? Stay tuned. 
It was not for some flaw in God's plans that Jesus suffered and died. Moved by his amazing love for us, God entered into a covenant of redemption for our sake. It was God's deliberate plan that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, be crucified, die, and be buried to redeem us from our sins, and that he would rise again so that we may have new life and live with God forever. This April, join today for a series of devotions titled, Jesus, Lamb of God, and take a journey through the Bible to see God's plan for redemption in action. Refresh, refocus, and renew at todaydevotional.com. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork. And Jesus died on Friday, which is the day before the Jewish Sabbath, which is a Saturday, Holy Saturday, Daryl, as we've been saying. But because the day after Jesus' death was the Sabbath, uh, his friends and followers had to observe the Sabbath, right? They couldn't do anything more that day. So uh, Luke 23 tells us that. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how Jesus' body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So, I mean, they couldn't do anything because the commandment says that you cannot work. Nobody is working. They've had this since the law of Moses. So Mm -hmm. they've been practicing it their whole life. So they're not going to do anything with Jesus' body on this day. It's kind of like also God giving them another opportunity to sit in it and to reflect in it and not to rush past it. Whatever grief they had, whatever disorientation, whatever whatever emotion they had, they had to sit there and process that. Maybe in prayer, maybe in song, maybe together, maybe alone. But this Holy Saturday is when they had the opportunity to do that. I'm imagining that the food from the Sabbath that they had Sabbath supper probably tasted different mm. because, I mean, it, it's not the same anymore. Jesus is not instituting it. He's not sitting there with them. So it's the first meal they've had without him. It had to be a time of complete disorientation. I mean, when something this bad happens, everything you had thought you knew, you don't know. Everything you had thought would be true. It's like the travelers to Emmaus when Jesus, but they don't know it's Jesus, joined them and said, what, what's wrong with you? And then they, they tell him, well, don't, don't you know, you know. And then they said that, that terrible line, we had hoped he yeah. was the one. We had hoped. That's heartbreaking. It is really sad because when you put your faith and trust Mm -hmm. in anyone and then they're not there for you, then all your hopes are dashed. And for anyone who's ever lost a loved one, you understand the pain that comes with losing the one you cared about, the one you love. But then these women, they were so in love with Jesus that they could not wait until the very Full day, they went early in the morning to go see Jesus and actually minister to his body. They could not wait because they were so in love with him. This is John 20. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and they said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So the women concluded what we would all conclude if we saw a grave that had been messed with. Somebody did something with the corpse. And I like it that the women say they did something. They took the body. We don't know where they put it. And the women put it that way because Jesus didn't move himself. (laughs) Well, if you're dead, you can't move yourself. And so they're thinking in the natural. So when you think in the natural, you're like, hey, 
dead people don't get up. We're not they're not expecting a supernatural miracle here. They're expecting to go see the body of Jesus that was put in there yesterday because they're living in the early and practical world. People die. They don't come back. We want to go see our Jesus and he's not there. So they feel like there must be some sort of conspiracy. Yeah, they didn't go there to see if he was still there. Nope. They went with more spices, maybe to kind of finish what Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had done when they laid him in the tomb yet late Friday before the Sabbath. They just went to finish the embalming. But, you know, they didn't, they didn't go to check to see if he was still there. That's why I always think it's interesting, Daryl, that, you know, nobody in the Bible, in all four Gospels, nobody, when they eventually encounter the living Jesus, nobody said, ha! I knew it. I just had a sneaking suspicion. You'd be back, Jesus. And I was right. You know, woo-hoo. good to see you. Good to see you back. We fully expect. No, nobody reacted that way. They weren't expecting a miracle, as you just said. It is definitely the twist in the story that changes everything. Don't you love when you watch a good movie or read a good book and there's a twist that really grips you like, wow, I did not see that coming. No, I've been reading the whole story. I haven't seen that coming. And this resurrection is that twist. And so like right actually right here in John 20, it picks up where the twist happens. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have put him and I will get him. So she didn't recognize that that was Jesus um, at that moment. She was uh, caught up in her grief. You know, scientific and psychological studies have shown, Daryl, that we often see what we're looking for, Mm -hmm. right? When you're not expecting to see somebody, it's so easy to look past them, right? She wasn't expecting to see Jesus. So why didn't she recognize Jesus? Well, among other reasons, she wasn't expecting him. This was beyond the realm of possibility. So she saw what she wanted to see, which was not Jesus, because it couldn't be Jesus. So, of course, she didn't recognize him. And soon enough, uh, the disciples are going to join in on the head-scratching wonder of who had done what with Jesus, because I know Jesus didn't do anything for himself. He didn't move. So we read this also. This is from John 20 as well. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter came along behind him, and he went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed, but they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So, boy, tomb's empty. Something's up, but we don't know what, so let's just go home. That's what they do. (laughs) So the part that we didn't read between that is when Mary Magdalene got the revelation that was Jesus because he revealed. And then she goes back and says, I seen the Lord, which is the first preached gospel ever. He's alive. He's risen. They didn't believe her. So they did this race to the tomb. And so they don't fully understand what is happening uh, because no one's ever done this before. I mean, it makes sense from the natural that, I mean, no one's ever resurrected. So we wouldn't expect that to be the real story. She's got to be out of her mind. We got to go see for ourselves. Well, 
then Luke picks that up. So we read in John 20, let's jump to Luke 24. We're told the women tell the uh, the 11 that Jesus was alive. And you know what it says in Luke 24, 11? But the disciples did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. But this is where Easter begins in scripture. It's when sorrow and death thought they had the last word, but darkness and fear cannot have the last word because he resurrected. And in the context of the pain and the sorrow, we still see hope. And that's the hope we have today. God had a plan. God had something up his sleeve. And as we wrap up this program and this short series on Holy Week, let's dig into some more passages that get at that thrilling moment when the disciples really did begin to believe Jesus had been raised. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we dig into scriptures to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And all four of the Gospels, Daryl, except for Mark, which ends very abruptly, um, but the other three Gospels give us a solid idea of what a real encounter with the living Lord Jesus looked like. So let's just real quickly, Daryl, tick through what happened when people actually knew it was Jesus. We'll start with Luke 24. And this is, of course, the couple that had gone to Emmaus that ended up walking with Jesus along the road, and then they recognized him at dinner, and then he disappeared. And so this is Luke 24, verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what happened to them on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. But he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It's myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. And he said to him, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He said, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So that's Luke 24 when Jesus makes a solid appearance. And now we look at John 20 when he makes a solid appearance. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. But if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And finally, the post-resurrection appearance from Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. 
But then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's beautiful here, Scott, is just like we saw the gospel slowing the time down to show you the details of the actual death. They are showing and slowing down and showing the details of his actual resurrection and what happens after and showing that there have been eyewitnesses, many of them. Scripture says there's over 500 of them Mm. in the book of Acts that saw him after he resurrected, after he came back from the dead. And even though they're stinking in the natural and they get scared because they think, oh, this could be a ghost. He's like, I'm proving to you that I'm not a ghost. You can touch me. You can give me fish to eat, but I am alive. I'm here and I'm in the flesh, literally. I love the realism of the Bible, right? Again, they didn't pretend what we said earlier. Nobody who encountered the risen Jesus said, oh, well, there you are. I knew I knew you'd be back. Good to see you. No, 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 no. They were shocked. They were scandalized. They were scared. Yeah, is it a ghost? You know, even in Matthew 28, they worshiped him, but some doubted yet, right? Uh, This was a new thing. This was a history-shattering, earth-shaking new thing God had done that showed that death did not have the last word. Of course, the people who first encountered this at first weren't quite sure. Was it too good to be true? (laughs) Am I seeing this? Is this really happening? The Bible's utterly realistic about all that. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we don't spend a lot of time thinking about that or having the anticipation of what Holy Saturday is supposed Mm -hmm. to bring, because we already know the answer to the story. We've been to many Easter Sunday services. We've been secured in understanding that it is finished and he has risen. And so we really don't spend a lot of time on Holy Saturday like we should. But if we reflect on what God has done, I think it would make worship even more powerful on Sunday. I think that's right. What a lot of us do on Holy Saturday, and Easter is one of the days of the year when I really enjoy cooking. So I often spend Holy Saturday getting food ready for Easter dinner, right? (laughs) I mean, the ham's in the fridge, I'm peeling potatoes. You know, you're getting ready for Easter dinner the next day. So yeah, we don't spend time on Holy Saturday, you know, reflecting on how dead Jesus was, but maybe we could try a little harder, right, to appreciate the true shock and wonder, but also the joy, Daryl, right? Uh, The thing that, you know, when you sort of don't appreciate how shocking it was for the original disciples, the other thing you undercut is our own joy. And we should want to have all the joy. I mean, the Bible says we'll spend all eternity singing about and thinking about the resurrection. So if that's how we're going to spend eternity, we could do a little of that right here now, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. And um, it's really exciting for us to know that God addresses the situation and he uses Jesus to erase and reverse the curse. We talked about Jesus being the last Adam in the last episode and how God addresses the whole sin problem and everything that is wrong with the world with this weekend. What I preached before is that it took us a couple of thousand years to mess up the world and our brokenness, but Mm -hmm. it only took him a weekend to turn it around because of his powerful resurrection, because of the atonement sacrifice. And we're excited about that. Um, That's the things that we reflect on and we think about. And we looked at 1 Corinthians 15 in the previous program. We could look at it here too, because, you know, nothing about Easter was inevitable. 
Only death is inevitable, right. the death of each one of us. I mean, you never go to the obituary section of a newspaper or a website for news and see none, right? No. I mean, if we went a whole week in this world nobody died, we'd be shocked. That's just not how it goes. Death is inevitable. Resurrection is not. And yet God made it now a new inevitability. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. But we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. And then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So yes, indeed, Daryl, God has given us the victory through Jesus. Jesus now shares that victory with all of us. Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with the Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. And we hope you'll join us again next time as we continue to dig deeply into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. Connect with us at groundworkonline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dob Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob.